Our scripture reading this morning will be taken from page 1014 in the Pew Bible in front of you, if you'd like to join along. We'll be reading 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. Again, that's on page 1014 in the Pew Bible in front of you. Verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us, uh, we again welcome you. It is good to have you this morning. Uh, It encourages us that you're here, and we hope that we can be an encouragement to you. We want to encourage especially all of our members, but visitors are welcome to do so also. Pick up a calendar. They're in the foyer. They're scattered throughout the two kiosks in the middle of the foyer, and then also on the ends of the foyer, big uh, blue calendars. And you'll notice our theme for this year is not only on the top of the calendar, but it's associated with every month of the calendar. And this year, we want to do something a little bit different. The theme this year is, With God We Can. Now, if you will notice the way we have the fonts, with God, we can. Notice how the with and we is smaller. And God and can is larger and and usually in bold when we print this. And the reason is, because at a glance, the first thing we want to know is God can. God can. Without God, we can't. God can. With God, we can And just as the text that was capably read reminds us that we are, notice the possession here. We are God's worker, God's field, God's building. And so the question we're going to be asking this morning is for 2009, are you and I willing to commit our life to say that I want to belong to God and I want to do work with God we can I want to be an individual that grows. I want to be a field that is productive. With God, we can. I want to help edify, build up the church. With God, we can. And so with that, we have, if, if you notice on your calendar, we have about 11 themes that run across 12 months. Uh, You'll notice in the bulletins this year that during those particular months, many of the articles will relate to that theme. You'll notice that many of the activities that take place that month will relate to the theme. And then some of the sermons during the month will relate to the theme also. You also notice a slight change this year in the bulletin, I'm sorry, in the calendar. And you'll notice that most months there is an item that is in bold. Now, usually the things that are in bold are the things that pertain to the whole congregation. There's something additional almost every month. And that that has been added is a very heavy concentration on the fact of what can we do as a congregation to reach the community that is around us. If Jesus Christ came and He lived physically, His physical presence was in our congregation for 2009... How do you think Jesus would reach out to the community about us? That's our goal, is to to be good neighbors that reach out in love and show the love of Jesus, that reach out and serve and show the servant's heart of Jesus. We want to be a congregation of people that, of course, when we go back to our individual homes, individually we're good and godly neighbors. But we want to make sure that as a congregation, as a whole, 
that we're good neighbors. Here's the question that will be asked often. You'll hear it throughout this month especially. And this is the question that we proposed a little bit last month and we'll continue to hear a lot about it this year. If the Mount Juliet congregation was non-existent tomorrow, would anybody in our community notice? Now you might quickly say, oh, I would notice. We're not asking, would you notice? We're asking, would anybody in the community notice if the Mount Juliet congregation was no longer in existence? We hope that we would be missed because people would be missing the love of God. But by 2009, if the Lord wills time, we hope that the absence of this congregation would be much, much greater. And so look for those activities. JP is leading the outreach this year uh, as it is pertaining to the things that you'll notice on the calendar. If you have questions in that area, be sure and talk with him about that. And you'll be hearing a lot about the ways that each of us will be needed to be involved uh, to, to make this a great success for God's glory. With God, we can. And we want to give Him all the glory. Be sure and pick that up. Be sure and mark your personal calendars with the things that pertain to you and your life and your family. And let's make sure that we do all we can for the glory of God. With God, we can. Why does God produce life? Does He not produce life so that He can produce growth? And we think about our life. Why does God give us life? Why did He make us? We know that He made us longing to have a relationship with Him. We know that He made us so that we could be productive. So that our life could count for something. That we could be a part of something that's far more important and greater than just us individually. And so when we think about life, we think about growth individually. How are we going to grow in 2009? We must plant the right seeds. You see, it's interesting when we think about life, we think about growth, we must have the right seeds in place if there is to be an increase. Every one of you have in a cup on each end of the pew that you're sitting in, the chairs, they're scattered in the window sills, or you'll notice in a, a seat between you, you will see a cup that looks like this. It'll have uh, just the name Mount Julia Church Christ on it. If you will, uh, take that cup, pull out at least one kernel of corn and pass it down. And there should be plenty for everybody to have a kernel of corn. And I'm going to ask you to keep this kernel of corn. Guys, you may want to place your kernel of corn in your pocket and keep it with your pocket change for the next few weeks. Uh, ladies, you might want to put it in your wallet or in your uh, purse is somewhere where you're going to notice it. Maybe you want to set it somewhere in your house where every morning and every evening you see the kernel of corn. And by the way, if you will, once you've completed that, if, if you'll just pass them back to the corners of the pew and, uh, and place those back so that next service that, that everyone will be able to take a kernel of corn also. Now, we could start to evaluate, what are you holding in your hand? Well, the obvious is you're holding a kernel of corn. But what else are you holding in your hand? You're holding a seed in your hand. Well, what is the potential of this seed? What's interesting is that the potential of this seed is that it can be planted at the right time of the year if someone is willing to be a partner with God isn't that interesting that every farmer, in a sense, is a partner with God? Like right now, if a farmer decided he was going to rebel and he was going to go ahead and plant his corn right now, he's not cooperating with God's plan. He wouldn't have a harvest. 
But the harvest is granted to those farmers that are willing to work along and say, God, we respect the way that you've created the cycle of life. We've respected the way that you've created the growing season. God, we're going to work along with you. And so to any farmers or any individuals that wanted to work along with God, they could plant this kernel of corn in the ground in the proper fertile soil. They could give it the proper amount of uh, irrigation and sunlight. And it has the potential. Okay? Now think about this. You're holding in your hand right now the potential to grow one stalk of corn that would grow over head high. That one stalk of corn has the potential in certain varieties to produce six ears of corn. Not all varieties. Some varieties only bear a couple. Some three or four. But there are several varieties that bear six ears of corn from this one kernel. What does that mean? Well, just for what it's worth, most corn ears have even number of rows of kernels. Anywhere from 14 to 18 is typical. A large ear of corn typically has as many as eight hundred kernels of corn. So that means that every two ears of corn equals a pound. That means that from this one kernel of corn, you have the potential to grow well over three pounds of corn. That means that if you took 17 of you got together and said, let's put our kernels of corn together and, and let's put them in a little garden and, and let's really take care of this garden and let's grow the very maximum that can be grown. And I have, if your eyes are, are good enough to see here, I have 17 kernels of corn. Here's eight or nine here and either eight or nine right here. Now, what do you think they have the potential? the potential to grow. They have the potential to grow 50 pounds of corn. Isn't that amazing? Did you see that little cup that you passed around? Only the bottom of the cup was covered. If over 900 of us planted one kernel of corn and we grew it to its fullest potential... And we said, let's bring the harvest back and let's set it on the pews where the cups were. Did you know that there would be a 50-pound sack setting on almost every pew when harvest time came? You'd have more corn than what your vehicle weighs. And all of you this morning are going to walk out with one kernel of corn in your pocket. The Lord gives us tremendous, tremendous lessons about seeds and about growth. This morning, I'd like for us to take the first half of our time and look at some passages where the Lord teaches us about seed. Then we'll go to the text that was read and we'll drive home three main points from that one verse. And then please come back tonight because really tonight, 
we'll put the foundation under this lesson to say, what in the world was Paul talking about? We studied this morning a, a beautiful passage in 1 Corinthians 3, but we didn't have time in that lesson to, to lay the foundation of why did he say that in 1 Corinthians 3. And so as helpful as this morning's lesson ought to be, anytime we study the Word of God, to back up this evening and to say, let's put the foundation under it, will even give it greater meaning. So first, let's ask God this question. What is it that you want us to know about seeds? As we answer that question, I'd like for you to look with me to Genesis, the first chapter. These, we will not have the passages on the screen. If you'd like to be turning to them, we're in the first page of the Bible, Genesis, the first chapter. And I'd like you to notice in verse 11, Then God said, Genesis 1, 11, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit, here it is, according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. We take this kernel of corn, and we plant it in the ground, and we say, I'm going to plant corn seed because I want watermelon? No. We plant this seed because we want corn. And so from the very beginning, God is saying to us, listen, whatever harvest that you can expect will be based upon whatever seed you plant in the ground. So 2009, somebody says, you know, I, I really want us to kind of tighten up a little bit in our budget. I, I would like for at the end of 2009 for us to have a little bit uh, more peace and, and security in, in our budget. All right, we're going to have to plant some different seeds in 2009. We're going to have to spend a little bit different, save a little bit differently. Somebody says, spiritually, I want to know more in 2009. Okay, look what you did in 2008. You're going to have to plant different seeds. If you're really serious when you say, I want to learn more than what I learned in 2008. In other words, if you're saying, I didn't learn very much in 2008. I want to learn more Bible in 2009. You're going to have to plant different seeds. You're going to have to say, whereas I rarely studied the Bible on my own, I'm going to start studying on my own. Whereas maybe I didn't pay close attention in Bible classes. Maybe I just sat there. I want to get in there and study. I want to dig. I want to ask the teacher questions. I want to ask questions and, and go during the middle of the week and search out those answers. You see, the point is very simple. Whatever seeds we put in the ground will be the harvest that we achieve. And it is foolish as foolish can be to say, this is the harvest I want, but I'm not going to put those seeds in the ground. Right now, right now, any farmer can decide, do I want to raise a crop or not? And they have to decide if they want to raise a crop when spring comes, they must put the seed in the ground. Can you imagine a farmer talking about all the great harvest that he's going to have, but yet when it comes time to put the seed in the ground, he says, oh, I just, I just don't want to take the time to do that. We're busy. You know, my, my, my kids are involved in so much, and, and, and I have other work around the farm that demands so much time. Oh, I'm going to have a great corn harvest, but I'm just not going to have time this year to put the seeds in the ground. We all know that the seed is going to produce after its kind only if it's planted. Now look with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, and we have a very wonderful teaching here. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. That'll be on page 1,023 in the Bible that's in your pew there. 1,023. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. I'd like for you to notice 36, 37, and 38. And as we read this, think about the fact of what do we put in the ground 
In other words, if we wanted to call this kernel of corn a body, if we wanted to call it a body, what body do we put into the ground and what body comes up out of the ground? Now, this is taught to us when the question was asked about there's not going to be a resurrection. And so Paul addresses the fact, oh yes, there's going to be a resurrection. And so then they start asking questions about how can we take a deceased body and put it in the ground and you're saying that it's going to be raised and it's going to live eternally? And here's how Paul answers some of these questions. Notice in in 35, does someone will say, how are the dead raised up and what body do they come? And 36, he says, foolish one. What you sow is not made alive unless it dies. Isn't that interesting that in the harvest time we said, okay, the the corn has stopped growing, let's harvest it. And so if someone says it's no longer alive, oh yes, where's the life? The life is in the seed. And so he says it appears as dead, but we take and plant that seed. Notice 37. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases. And to each seed, its own body. Any of you that have done any kind of gardening, you'll you'll get probably a, a little smile if you just picture this in your mind. Can you imagine going out and planting your garden one spring and you got, you got six, seven, eight rows laid out there and, and you come back out to your garden two or three weeks later and you know, you've been checking on it and you're just waiting for, for things to break the top of the soil and, and you can see that growth and you walk out one morning and to your wonder, every seed is just growing just as it looked when you planted it. It's just sitting there right on top of the ground. You see, that's what Paul's talking about here. He says, oh foolish one. He says, are you being silly? Do you really think that you put a kernel of corn in the ground as a seed and you expect to come back a few weeks later and it's just popped up as one kernel of corn on top of the ground again? He says, you know that you put one body in the ground and it comes forth and it grows and it produces an entirely different body. Now, the teaching in this text is for us to look to eternity. God is going to resurrect us and give a body that can live for eternity. That sickness and death will not take this body. But what's the message as it relates to the seed? He's using the seed as an example. The message is this. So oftentimes what we plant, we plant not having the ability to even see all that can become if we just continue to plant as God would have it to be. I want you to think with me 117 years ago when a few families gathered for the first time on this very same location. And they planted the Lord's church. They started a congregation for the first time in the community of Mount Juliet. What if you would have asked them that day, hey, what have you guys done today? How many of those few that were gathered there, how many of them do you think they would have said, oh, in in probably a hundred years or so, there'll probably be over 900 people worshiping on Sunday morning. I think they're looking around with just a few families. There probably wasn't even that many people in the town of Mount Julie at that time. Can you imagine what they planted And the growth that has taken place, they could have never imagined 
the body that has grown from the seeds that they have planted. Can you imagine with you as a physical family, what can take place in your family if you'll live a godly and Christian life and you'll raise the next generation planting those same seeds? What will happen in generation four, five, and six? Friends, we have no way of knowing all that God can do because our task is only to plant the seed. What if I told you this morning that, that in, in 50 or 60 years that, that the Mount Juliet congregation will be 10,000 in size. It'll be one of the largest churches all over the United States. How many of you are, are, are quick to say, oh, that'll never happen? You and I aren't in control of that. Oh, we are in a way. We can decide not to plant if we so choose. But if we plant exactly the way God would have us to plant, and that is placing a value upon every soul and believing that it's our responsibility to never stop reaching the souls around us, it's not ours to determine what body that God will bring forth about this body over the next decades. We plant... God brings forth the next body. If you will, look in Luke the 8th chapter. In Luke the 8th chapter, we learn what the seed is usually referred to as we look at parables in the Scriptures. One of the great, well-known ones and respected parables using a seed is in Luke the 8th chapter. And this is the parable of the souls. And there were hearts and there were four kinds of hearts but notice what the seed was in verse 11 Luke 8 and 11 now the parable is this the seed is the word of God and in 12 that seed was placed in some hearts in some people's lives and they treated it like the wayside they just threw it aside and, and birds came along and, and ate it right up and it accomplished nothing that it was designed to do. And then we look in verse 13 and we see that some fell among the rocks. And you see it was able to grow roots, but only shallow roots. And when the great temptations came, there wasn't enough growth. There wasn't enough roots there. And notice we're talking about the underground growth. We're talking about the deep spiritual growth. It wasn't there to sustain the individual during the times of temptation. But then some fell among soil that would have been very fertile soil, but it was soil where individuals were trying to live with a foot in the world and a foot in Christianity. And, and they didn't want to take their foot out of the world. They, they didn't want to be removed from the pleasures that come along with the flesh. They didn't want to be removed from the trust that they put in riches. They didn't want to be removed from the cares, the what's people thinking about me, uh, what's my self-esteem. How are others viewing me? They didn't want to remove themselves from the world completely. And so what happened was that tug of war took place. The pulling of the world and the pulling of the Lord. And finally, the Lord was choked out in the life of that individual. But then there was that seed. Notice verse 15. But the one that fell on the good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Now notice... The seed goes into what kind of heart? Noble means honest. Into an honest and a good heart. Someone that's willing to deal honestly with the seed. What's the seed? The Word of God. Individuals that's willing to deal honestly with the Word of God. It's an honest and a good heart. Now notice what the Word of God is supposed to do. 
The Word of God is a seed that is always supposed to produce. And so here in this text, and then also if we went over to Matthew the 13th chapter in verse 23, we would see the same parable. And when he talked about the heart that produces, he says some produce 30, some produce 60-fold, and some produce 100-fold. When we ask ourselves, do I really have a good and an honest heart? Do I deal in a good and an honest way with the seed, the Scriptures? One way that I can give an answer to that is by evaluating the fruit that is produced in my life. Is my life producing the fruit that is produced by the Word of God? But notice also, if you will, I'd like for you to turn back to the book of Hosea, the 10th chapter. Hosea, the 10th chapter. In the Bible in your pew, that's going to be on 801. Notice another teaching. We're going over the teachings that God gives us about seed. Hosea, the 10th chapter and verse 12. He says, sow for yourselves. Hosea 10 and 12. Sow for yourselves righteousness. And what are you going to reap? You're going to reap mercy. When we sow righteousness, we're going to reap other people's mercy. We're especially going to reap the mercy of God. But notice, he, we have to do something. We have responsibility. Break up the fallow ground. Somebody has to get out there, even when the, the wintertime chilly weather is there, somebody has to get out there and still break up that fallow ground. And someone says, hey, it's too early to plant. That's all right. The fallow ground has to be broken. Somebody has to tenderize your heart. Somebody has to prepare your heart. If this seed, the Word of God, is going to go into a heart that it can grow, somebody has to prepare the heart. And that has to be you. Are you willing to say, I desire to grow. I desire to belong to God. I want to work along with God. With God we can. Now notice, he says, for it is time to seek the Lord. That's how we prepare our heart. All right, I'm tired of living for self. I am serious now. I want to live for God. It's time. I have to prepare my heart so the Word of God can be planted. And he says, till he comes and rains righteousness on you. We prepare the soil. God places that seed in it. God puts the rain over it. Now, what if we decide not to do that? Here's the other option, 13. You have plowed wickedness. You have reaped iniquity. You have eaten the fruit of lies because you trusted in your own way in the multitude of your mighty men. Oh, I tell you what, I don't have to rely upon God. Listen, my life, it has never been better. I don't have to rely upon God. I've got friends around me that take care of me. I don't have to rely on God. Things are wonderful in my life. He says, okay, go ahead and put that seed in the ground. And what you're going to reap is sin. And eventually what you're going to reap is those things you trusted in, they're not trustworthy. And then, where are we going to be? Look with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. As you're turning there, what we could tie into the one that we just left, Hosea 10 and 12, is Galatians 6 and 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. We can sow righteousness and we can reap the benefit of it. We can sow wickedness, but we will always reap that that wickedness produces. As we're leaving that point, and, and as you're turning 2 Corinthians 9, as we leave that point, I, I want to offer just this simple principle from the point we've just left. 
If you've looked at the end of 2008 and said, you know, I'm not exactly pleased with who I was, who I am at the end of 2008. I would like some things different in 2009. Please realize, you must plant different seeds. That's the principle that we just read there in Galatians 6 and in Hosea. If we want a different harvest, we have to plant different seeds. And, and before Satan runs something through your mind that says, oh, I've just got too many problems. Oh, I just don't have the background for it. Oh, I just get so easily distracted. Run this through your mind. With God, you can. With God, we can do things that we could never do on our own. That's why the passage is so beautiful this morning where Paul invites those of Corinth to say, don't do it on your own. Don't do it by trying to join up with other people. Do it by joining up with God. Become God's worker. God's field. Become God's building. And now... Uh, we leave these principles with 2 Corinthians the ninth chapter and verse 6. This especially, the seed that he's talking about here is how we give. How do we give? And, and especially in the 8th chapter and ninth chapter, he's talking about our financial giving to the Lord. And notice what he says in verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So someone says, hmm, seven kernels of corn could possibly produce 50 pounds. But I would have to give away my 17 kernels. I I don't want to do that. But I'll tell you what I'll do, God. God, I'll give you one of my kernels. I'll give you one of them. And God says, just know that there is a principle that's always in place about seeds. You will never reap more than you sow in proportion. You can't expect a 17 kernel harvest if all you're going to plant is a one kernel seed. What are we willing to do? What are we willing to give to God? As we close out this lesson, and we'll develop this more fully tonight, I ask you to turn back to 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, and I'd like for you to notice verse 9. We are God's fellow workers. Isn't it a beautiful thought to think about being involved in God's work? That's why everything that we do in God's kingdom should be done with excellence. If you teach a Bible class, I want to challenge you to remember you're God's worker. Do it with excellence. If you're involved in any aspect of the work of the kingdom, and I hope every one of us can say, I am, let's do it with excellence. If we're delivering meals on wheels, if we're going into the prison, if we're conducting a Bible study, if, if we are working on the grounds of the facility, if we're making sure that things are taken care of, let's let it be said that we all recognize the fact I am God's worker. I am in cooperation with God. I am a servant to the Master. And we are working together. So everything that I want to do for the Master, I want to do with excellence. I love that passage. We talked about it several times last year in Acts the first chapter in verse 1. You remember where he talked about the fact, he said, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. And you say, what? The book of Acts is about everything that Jesus began 
to do and to teach? Yes, because He's ascended into heaven, but His work on earth was just beginning. And so this year, you and I have the opportunity to continue the work of Jesus Christ, to continue the teaching of Jesus Christ. Let's make sure that we recognize the work that we are about is God's work. We're not doing a work for each other. Well, I ought to be involved in that ministry down there at church. They want me to do that. No, we ought to be involved in ministry because we are God's partner. With God we can, and we ought to do it with excellence. But notice not only did he talk about our work, but also there in verse 9 he said, you are God's field. If we're going to take this seed and we're going to plant it to others, the first place we have to start is by making sure that our heart is the field that this seed can be planted. And I want you to think about the fields that you've seen that have a sign out that says, no trespassing. Does your heart have that to God? No trespassing. God, I don't want to make any changes with the person I am at home. I'm not giving you my heart at home. No trespassing. God, I'm not going to make any changes to what I do on vacation. No trespassing here, God. Get out of my heart. God... I'll give you Sunday in religion, but I'm not giving you my heart on Monday because I don't live that kind of life at work. I'm not that kind of person, God. Listen, we are either in partnership with God and our heart has become a field so that we live and work in partnership with God all the time. In other words, God has taken His Word and we have planted that in our heart and we are growing and we are productive. And then finally, notice as he says, you are God's building. And the building that he's talking about there is the church. Collectively, you and I are God's building. We're making a place for the very next verse teaches us about the master builder. In verse 11 teaches us that we ought to build on the foundation of Jesus Christ. In verse 16 tells us that what we're building on the foundation of Jesus Christ is the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells there. And 17 tells us that we're that temple, so make sure that we do not defile that temple because that is where God dwells. This morning, with God we can. With God, we can build... A congregation that's His. It's His church. It's not ours. And when we do that, we show the community around us what it would be like to be neighbors with God. What would it be like to be neighbors with God? When we become God's building, we show them that. When we have the seed planted in our heart, we become individuals that grow. We're His field. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to ask yourself this morning, am I God's worker? If we can help you in any way this morning, please think about 2009. Think about your life. Think about your soul. And think about eternity. Are you where you need to be? Are you on track? If you've never been baptized into Christ, wouldn't this morning be a wonderful time to say, I want to begin. I want to belong to God. I want to turn it over to Him. I trust Him. I trust Him. I trust what He's going to do with my life. I turn it all over to Him. If you're ready for that this morning, one that's a believer, willing to repent of sins, confess before men, won't you commit your life? Won't you be baptized to wash those sins away? Maybe you have committed your life and somewhere along the way, 
you've lost the way and your partnership hasn't been nearly as close to God as what it could be. With God we can, and this is for certain. Without God, we can't. I can't make it to eternal life without God. I can't be what I need to be in my family without God. I can't make it without God. If you need to come back to Him this morning, if we can help in any way, come as we stand as we sing.